Oh, yes, baby. We are back here on a Thursday morning. It is MLB Morning Coffee's 30 Teams in 30 Days. As I said yesterday, it is not 30 teams in exactly 30 days, 30 teams on whatever day I choose. We are coming to you from the Ocean Avenue Studios in San Francisco, California, and we are a production of the Athletes Unfiltered Podcast Network. I promised you yesterday, we have had Zoom calls, we've had Zencaster sessions, but today... Our San Francisco Giants preview is live in person. John Curley, the producer of the Morning Roast on KGMZ's 95.7 The Game, is here talking Giants baseball with us. John, welcome to the studio, man. It's not like what you have downtown, but it'll suffice out here in the Mission Terrace neighborhood. This will do, my man, Greg. Thanks for having me. It's going to be a lot of fun talking some Giants baseball, and I think people are going to be surprised what they're going to hear today. In a division where two of the best teams in baseball lie in front of the Giants and the Dodgers and the Padres, what is a realistic expectation for the 2021 Giants? So right now I'm trying to look at the San Francisco Giants, and you're seeing a team that's been marked around 73 to 75 wins. And to be honest, Greg, I'm putting my money down on the over for that. I think they can go over. I'm, I have them closer. I'm hoping about 80 wins this year and you might think I'm nuts because you looked at me with a stare like you're absolutely crazy this offense Greg it is what I saw last year what I saw the turnaround with this coaching staff has done with Brandon Belt with Brandon Crawford Posey was hitting the ball well in the spring we saw so many positives I mean they're getting production out of Solano they are yeah it's what finished what eighth Overall, in the NL MVP voting? He was in the top 10. I don't have the exact number, but he was somewhere in the top 10. He had one of the best seasons of any player in the National League West. There were so many positives to hang your hat on last year for the San Francisco Giants. And maybe I have my Giants glasses on when I look at this team. And absolutely, there is no doubt starting pitching will be the biggest question mark going into the 2021 season. There's not a doubt. I'm going to take what... The gambling experts has around 73 to 75 wins. I'm putting my money on, and I'm going over, Greg. I always over. forget that you used to work with Joe Fortenbaugh, who is the man <laughs> on the daily wager. So if, the you're, man. if you're bringing it to a gambling uh, perspective, I completely understand why you're going there. I want to go to Gabe Kapler next, because after three seasons, his sample size, and it was funny, we were talking with Dan Wilson, who hosts the Locked on Phillies podcast a couple of weeks ago, Gabe Kapler is a 500 manager. Mm -hmm. His two seasons in Philadelphia, he had 500 teams, and the Giants were basically a 500 team in a small sample size last year. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like Kapler is the right fit for this team long term? Because I don't necessarily think that 500 is indicative of who he is as a manager, but let's be honest, when we look at the Giants and the Phillies, his two Phillies teams underachieved, and last year's Giants team, I think, overachieved. So what do you think is the middle ground? And do you think that Kapler is indeed the right long-term fit in San Francisco? I think he's the long-term fit as long as Farhan is running ship. And the reason I say it is he has a very specific brand of baseball that fits Farhan's vision. And we saw him when he was able to run the team his way with analytics in Philadelphia. You saw them the second half of the season, both years in a row, they, they were done. They were toast. Last year, it felt like his message was getting across. And I saw, again, I saw too many positives from too many people. Look, Greg, when we saw Greg, Gabe Kapler get hired, what was the thing? He's going to be done in two years. He might make it a year. 
It was a negative narrative around him. After what we saw from production-wise, again, from Crawford, from Belt, from Posey in the spring, you're getting Solano. uh, Yaz was improving. Dickerson is showing that he can help. There's too many positives to write him off as of right now. I will say that with he has to trust his starting pitching a little more. And that is going to be a knock on him because I think it, uh, you and I have talked on the side. I think that's going to cost him down the road. As of right now with Farhan's vision, he feels like the manager right now. I don't like the narrative of why, why are we thinking Kapler? Because he's not going to be here in two years when the farm system starts coming up. Because I think he will be as long as Farhan still is running ship. We're here with John Curley, producer of The Morning Roast on KGMZ-FM. You bring up a good segue into my next overall question. Last year, it was very rare to see a giant starting pitcher go past five innings. You saw Johnny Cueto frustrated, wanting a trade. More than likely, he'll probably get one at some point this year, but that's something we'll get to a little bit later on. When the Giants won their three World Series, what was the constant? It was great starting pitching. Whether it be Timmy, Jonathan Sanchez, and Matt Cain at the beginning, or Mad Bum and everybody else that you had at the end, the Giants got great starting pitching. That's no longer the case with how this organization is structured. You've got Johnny Cueto and a bunch of guys on one-year deals and a bunch of guys that have pretty low ceilings and relatively low floors. Do you see this as a long-term organizational problem? And I say that because of one thing. You look at the other two teams in this division that are ahead of you. What do they both have? Deep starting rotations. Insane starting pitchings that make me absolutely sick when we have to face them. And I say we as a Giants fan. Face uh, Padres and Dodgers 19 times this year. Total, whatever it's going to be. Starting pitching. The reason it's not a problem right now is because we have to be realistic of what they have. Farhan and um, Gabe Kapler. The thing is, Farhan has his plan. And his plan has been, I have not disagreed with it too much. He's going to draft position players. He's going to develop them. He's going to try to fit in. He's going to build in the back end of the roster. And he's not going to overpay for starting pitching in terms of years. He's going to get the pitchers that he can try to get quality out of for a year or two as the rebuild was going on. Can it cost him down the road? It can't. The thing I think we're all going to learn from this past season, it goes back to the World Series. And I think you're going to see a little minor adjustment with you still got to trust your gut in the game of baseball. I mean, Kevin Cash has been destroyed over and over again for what he did to Blake Snell. And I could be wrong, the way other people view it. I think you're going to see Kapler manage with his gut a little more. Now he has a year under his belt. He knows what he's going to get from a Johnny Cueto. Johnny Cueto is not the same as old. He doesn't have the can't, the can't miss But he's again. still a guy that can get you six or seven innings on a good night. And you 100%. saw him far too often last year get pulled before his rope was done. Yeah. And it cost the Giants because the first or the second guy that would come out of that yep. bullpen would give up the gas can. I know I'm kind of conflating two sayings there, but that's what it would be. Yep. So when you talk about managing with his gut, it's very much a not sticking to the script. Yeah. It's going to be watching it. But then look at Gossman. Gossman had a hell of a year last year. I don't know if there's one time where Gossman went over five innings in a game and he got $18 million on the, on when he got the offer from the Giants. 
that he took. It's going to be a problem for the Giants if they let it linger in terms of not trusting their guys enough. We saw Cueto. What's the one image that you remember last year from Cueto? I remember him frustrated walking off the mound. Like, why are you pulling me? Exactly. Exactly. That's going to be a problem. I think Kapler now has a feel. I think Farhan knows what he has in the starting rotation to the best of his knowledge, to what you can at this point in time in the season. Is it going to be what we saw beforehand? No, but this is a different Giants team. We are here with John Curley. We're talking Giants. And one last overview question before we get into specifics on players. Farhan was brought in to clean up a mess of bad contracts from Bobby Evans, and he has tried to do that to the best of his ability. However, there really hasn't been, in terms of the Major League progress, much of an improvement on the field from the end of the Bobby Evans era. You could make the argument that last year was the start of something good, but I guess the general question is, and maybe it's a little bit too vague, but are you happy with where the Giants are at two years into the Farhan era? I'll say this. I don't believe a GM's tenure or a head coach's tenure, in this case a manager, starts the day they're hired. I believe it. their GM clock starts the first decision they make, big decision they make. And I'm going to bring this all the way back to when the trade deadline happened two years ago, and he decided to hold on to Madison Bumgarner, that being Farhan. Do we know what offer he had? By all reports, there's not an official report out. There's always rumors. I can tell you. I can tell you from my time working in the Milwaukee Brewers organization, there were offers on the table for him in 2018, Mm -hmm. and there were offers on the table for him in 2019. Mm -hmm. And the Giants' offer that they gave to the Brewers was Drew Pomeranz. It was not Madison Bumgarner. That's the guy that they ended up giving up. So, so, so to me, there was a section of the fan base and really a section of the organization that when they kept Madison Bumgarner, it was very much like, okay, you're keeping him because you want to bring him back long term. Right. And then they didn't even give him anywhere close to what he got from Arizona. Now, it may look good at this point, mm-hmm. based on the year that Mad Bum had last year, yep. that they let him walk. But still, you don't know what the intent is at this point. Yep. That is true. I will say, getting back to your question of, am I happy the last two years? So I'm going off a year and a half right now. I think that's a fair thing. First six months, see what he had. He had a terrible roster. Bochi was on his way out. So he had to clean everything up. I am happy right now. If he pulls the same thing next offseason, where he has nothing but cash and contracts off the books— that is where the heat starts picking up on Farhan, and we need we start to we need to see some production in terms of talent being brought in, and also more wins in the win column. I can tell you're a radio producer because you segue into my next question. <laughs> Brandon Crawford, Brandon Belt are both unrestricted free agents after this season. Buster Posey and Johnny Cueto they have team options for 2022. I'm not including Evan Longoria in this because his contract goes beyond 2022, and at this point he's not tradable. The direction of the Giants says that they're moving on from these four guys at some point over the course of the next two years. But in regards to this year alone and what these guys provide on the field that could translate into assets, which one of those guys is not wearing a Giants uniform by the end of 2021? Johnny Cueto. I think Johnny Cueto, the way that we saw how he handles Kapler's idea for starting pitching— He's not a fan of it. And if that doesn't change, like I just said a little bit ago, if that vision doesn't change and 
He can still provide you something to a playoff contender. He could be a four or five on a contending team. I don't see him being hired in a three with where he is right now in his career. He is my one bet to not be with the San Francisco Giants next year. I will go on to say, after all these players that you just listed, Crawford, Bell, Posey, Cueto, the Giants are in a tough situation this offseason because all four of them control their own future in terms of, you and I have talked about it on the side, you have Crawford and Posey already had the no-trade clause, so they were fine, but they have the 10-5 and rule in their favor. Cueto and Belt have the 10-5 and rule in their favor. So if they don't want to go to a city and it's best for the team, for the San Francisco Giants— The Giants have no other moves that they can make with that. They're going to have to appease Cueto or Belt in that situation. That is going to be a storyline that right now I don't think enough people are paying attention to, where it can impact the Giants' future and Farhan and what he wants to do moving forward. Well, the thing that I think about when you discuss that, and I had completely forgotten about that, it was a conversation we had probably over a month ago at this point, John, is that... If you can't trade one of those guys, you effectively have to ride out this year and get nothing for him in return. Now, is that the greater of two evils in this scenario? 100% yes. The question, though, really is going to be, which one of those guys can you move if they want to be moved? Cueto's the right answer because of those four guys, he's the most movable because of his production, and he's the most movable because he will waive the 10 and 5 rights. He doesn't care. He wants out of here. Brandon Crawford and Brandon Belt are different stories because their contract figure versus what their production is, I really don't see anybody taking a flyer on them, and I just don't see the Giants trading Buster Posey given how much he has meant to the franchise. I totally agree with you. And I'm going to flip the question the other way. Which one of those four do you see coming back, if if at all, the following season? I would probably have to say Buster Posey because the team option is there. And I think that there are questions in regards to catcher moving forward. And once again, the great radio producer you are leading into my next question. Buster Posey opted out of the 2020 season. He's back this year. Joey Bart is the heir apparent. But with the Giants signing Kurt Casale, it's clear that Bart is going to be in AAA for the entire 2021 season, barring injury, so that he can have a full season. You know, people around here, you know, I listen to your station, I listen to the other station, people get on Joey Bart, well, why didn't he come up and hit like this? The, the, like, the guy has played basically one and a half minor league seasons and didn't get a real minor league season in 2020. But with Posey, it's interesting because he's kind of past his productive outlet in regards to being an everyday catcher. But his leadership aspect at this point is through the roof. Other than helping the Giants contend for a playoff spot this year, what is Posey's purpose in setting up the Giants to succeed in future years? It is being that. It is being the veteran leader that he can be that this that this team lacked last year. You could have had Someone that was there, who's been there, who is a World Series champion, who could help you rebuild a team that they're going through right now with the process. And I'll say this about Bart, because this thing just irks me. You and I are exactly on the same page. Why are people trying to get on Joey Bart? Greg, the guy had 33 games at the MLB level. You've just went over what he didn't have. What was people expecting? 
Do people want instant results? Because that wasn't going to happen. People don't understand how the minor league development process works. Yep. It was funny. I had a Royals guest on yesterday, and he's talking about Bobby Witt Jr. making the big league roster on opening day, which to me, I was like, okay, you know, no offense to Ryland Stiles, appreciated having him on, but this is a guy that's not going to turn 21 until June. And he's a guy that has played in the Arizona Fall League and the Arizona Rookie League. That's it. Yep. And you're expecting that guy to make your big league roster and contribute right away? Be damned if he hit two home runs that went on the concourse in Surprise, Arizona. That's not a guy that's ready for big league baseball. And so going back to Joey Bart, the fact that people are upset that he wasn't productive right away, you don't know how this works. Yep. Yep. I mean, you're preaching to the choir, my man. People will get on Joey Bart and say he wasn't a Farhan guy. And he's not. That is true. His walks to strikeouts does not match up to what Farhan's vision is. But I think he can improve that. And I think you're seeing in his swing so far this spring. Is he going to need work? Absolutely. Do I see him as a long-term catcher? He might have to make the change to first base. After what we're seeing, the miscommunication last night between him and Cueto, what he was doing in the field. But... I trust his coaching staff enough where they can develop him. And I do not want to hear people trying to get on Joey Bart. And I know I'm getting off on a a little side conversation there. Dude, fire it up. This is what we're here for. I just, it bugs the hell out of me because whatever he did was not going to be right for Giants fans. They wanted, boom, they wanted a 300 hitter right off the bat. They wanted him raking at Oracle Park. They wanted him to be the next Buster Posey. And he's not. He is Joey Bart. He has not had that much experience yet compared to what Buster has had. That is where people have to tow it back just a little bit. Let him develop. Let him get with his coaching staff. Then you can find out in two to three years where he is at in his game. For the Giants fans that are listening to this, and I want to bring it back to Buster Posey because I think this is an important point. The two best position players in college baseball the year that Buster Posey was drafted were Buster Posey and Gordon Beckham. And guess what? Guess who got to the big leagues before anybody else did? Gordon Beckham. And guess who is out of Major League Baseball and is holding on for dear life to any baseball career that he has? Gordon Beckham. Guess who won a World Series? Guess who's won three World Series? Buster Posey. So you can have Gordon Beckham come up right away, have a good rookie year, and then stink for the rest of his career. Or you can let a guy develop, and granted, it didn't take Buster Posey that long to develop, but he's not your typical college catcher. This is a guy that converted from shortstop to catcher and was able to pick it up right away and become a World Series winning catcher in his first season. That is rare. That is something you cannot expect from anybody else that you draft. And look, We're in a market where we pay attention to the Niners, we pay attention to the Warriors, and we talk about what first-round picks can do. A first-round pick in baseball is not the same thing as a first-round pick in basketball or football, and people don't get that. You are 100% on the money. They want instant production, and they want it right away. They do not want to wait. They want the shiny new toy, and they want it to produce for them right away. That's not how it works in baseball. Joey Bart's going to take time. He's going to get there. Relax. I have all the faith in the world that he's going to develop. Just needs a little more time. I'm intrigued by how the Giants start the season on the infield. And we're with John Curley, producer of the Morning Roast on KGMZ's 95.7 The Game. 
Tommy LaStella, Wilmer Flores are guys that have positional versatility. Donovan Solano does to an extent. He had a great bat last year, but he's not the greatest of gloves. You've got long-term starters at the corners in Brandon Belt and Evan Longoria. Not to mention a former top Brewers prospect who can play all over the diamond in Mauricio Dubon. How do you balance the starting infield beginning this year? Because I feel like you've got a lot of guys that are starting caliber and only four spots on the diamond, and at least one of them will be taken up by Evan Longoria. This is where the not having the DH hurts the Giants this year. Because my, in my ideal situation, Wilmer Flores would have been that guy. Glove is terrible. He is awesome with the bat. Home run power led the Giants in home runs last year with, I believe, 12. They're going to have to find a fit with him, and they're going to have to sacrifice at some point. Listella was the one guy that I targeted this offseason for the Giants to sign. He's exactly the farhand player that you want. He's a left-handed bat. He can come off the bench. He's going to play so many different positions. He's the lefty Chris Taylor. Yes, 100%. He's going to help Longoria. He's going to—I mean, Belt. we have to look at Belt for a sec. We don't know if Belt's going to start the season. Right now he's battling COVID. Now he has mono. He's coming off the heel injury. Listella can be that guy. He can plug in, plug and play at any position inside the infield. Someone's going to have to sit. I don't know who it is. The thing that you just brought up, Solano, and the thing that I'm going to caution Giants fans for, my biggest question for him this season, can he hit above 300 again? Back-to-back years. Last year, Greg, small sample size. I was on the Donnie Barrels bandwagon. I loved it. I had as much fun as anybody with that nickname. Can he do it again? Great. This is a guy, what, he's been around 15 seasons? How many years? He hasn't hit over seven home runs in his career. Like, yeah, he was a great story last year. Is he? Are we going to see a trade from him? Is, is someone going to get dealt here before the season rolls around? I think the interesting question when it comes to Donovan Solano is his bat last year was too valuable to have it be out of the lineup. Yep. But the thing with Donovan Solano is that he's not the glove that Brandon Crawford is, at least at second base. He's not the glove that Mauricio Dubon is. You've got Wilmer Flores on a two-year deal, this being the second of those two years. Flores can play second, he can play third, he can play first. Donovan Solano, the moment that he starts to dive is the moment that he hits the bench or the moment that he gets DFA'd. But I also feel like how this Giants infield shakes out is basically... Who ends up performing well at the start and who ends up not? And that's going to determine who plays. But I feel like Evan Longoria is going to end up playing every day because of his contract figure. Brandon Crawford, we saw last year, will start games, but he'll get pulled a lot, which is really weird given how much Brandon Crawford that we've seen. But again, you've got him on the last year of his deal. You've got Belt on the last year of his deal. You've got Flores on the last year of his deal. You don't really owe anything to any of these guys at this point. And I just want to clear up one thing when I talk about Solano and how long he's been in the game. He was a free agent, an international free agent in 2005, signed by the Cardinals. So when I look back at his career, I just look at his production. What he's done, chances are last year was the outlier of what his career has been. He could be the odd man out. You're going to have to sit somebody. It's going to come on a night-to-night basis with this Giants team. Let's move to the outfield. We're on year, who knows at this point, of the Giants not having a starting left fielder. Now, you can make the argument that Alex Dickerson is going to be that. And unless something drastically changes and Lamont Wade makes the opening day roster, you're going to have an outfield of Alex Dickerson, 
Mike Yastrzemski, and whoever ends up taking the third spot between Austin Slater, Steven Duggar, and Darren Ruff. And Darren Ruff is a corner outfielder. He's never going to start in center field. Are any of these guys long-term pieces to you at this point besides Yaz? Or do you feel like this is an outfield that's just a placeholder for when Helio Ramos gets here, for when Hunter Bishop gets here, for if even when Joe McCarthy comes up and provides a productive bat that can hit six or seven in the lineup and give you a decent enough glove? Uh, Yastrzemski is the only one that I see being a cornerstone for this outfield of this Giants team. You're going to have Dickerson, awesome player. I, now that he's healthy, you can finally see what he can do. I don't know how much longer that can last. I can see him moving to the AL in a few years, trying to become a DH. If he can, the way his body's holding up. Then you have, I mean, Duggar, Darren Ruff. Who knows if Darren Ruff even makes this team, if there's going to be a spot for him. We just talked about how much how much talent they're going to have in the infield. And Lamont Wade Jr., they, they believe the power is there with him. The thing is, now we have to see it. Can they get it out of him? He's coming over from the Twins. The Giants have coaching staffs that belong to the Twins organization. He is going to be something to monitor. But to answer your question, this is a placeholder for when we see the top prospects come up. Can I give you the Lamont Wade story that I've been holding from you for the past couple of months? Sing it. So, I used to work in Summer League Baseball in the Cape Cod League. And Lamont Wade played for the Brewster Whitecaps. Now, the Brewster Whitecaps thought that they weren't going to make the playoffs, and thus they booked a bunch of players on flights home the day after the regular season. The Whitecaps go on a run, they make the playoffs. But all these flights are non-refundable, and these players have got to get back to school, which means they're left with nine guys on the roster for their playoff series. Lamont Wade, for two games, as a left-handed throwing player, started at shortstop. That's my best Lamont Wade story. They that lost both incredible. games. <laughs> they lost both games, but Lamont Wade in collegiate summer league ball started two games at shortstop. That is incredible. I love that story. All right, now I'm a little more of a fan favorite of him. Yes, I, I'm a big fan of Lamont Wade just because of that. We're here with John Curley. He is the producer of The Morning Roast. You can listen to it 6 to 10 a.m. on 95.7 The Game in the Bay Area. If you don't live in the Bay Area... Download the Radio.com app and listen to it. Kate Scott, Bonte Hill, and Joy, Joe the Butcher Boy Shasky. I almost called him Joy. Sorry, Joe. I know that you don't live that far from where we're at. He, he's in the Excelsior, right? He's the Excelsior guy. Yeah, so he's really not that far away from where we're at here in the Mission Terrace. We go to the pitching. The Giants have a veteran-led top of the rotation with Cueto, Kevin Gaussman, Anthony DiSclefani, some low-cost, high-upside guys like Alex Wood and Aaron Sanchez that were brought in on one-year deals. But, John, none of the five veterans are under contract past this year. Logan Webb is really the one guy that I see that could make a few starts here and there that could end up being a part of this rotation if somebody gets hurt. I understand having one or two stop gaps in a rotation. But to me... If you're trying to develop moving forward, it is ridiculous that you're slated starting five in a rotation, none of them are under contract after this year. I don't know if we've ever seen this before. I can't remember a specific team that had so many question marks along with so many pitchers on a one-year deal. Is there a team that comes to mind where you can even think of this being close? No, to, no. not at all. And... And if there is, then I definitely haven't followed them. Like maybe like the 
1996 Pittsburgh Pirates or something like right, that. Right, Some right. team that is way off in obscurity and we'll never hear from again. But so, not in the modern day. And you know what? As a Giants fan, of course, you want stability. You want your Bumgarners. You want your Lincecums. This team doesn't have it. We're not saying that they do. I'm really intrigued with this because this is going to be the perfect test to go back to your question earlier, do we trust Farhan? This is the test right here. Is the guys he's scouted, developed, is he the ones he's willing to take a gamble on? Are they what they think he can be? And if not, what does he do next offseason to try to fix the starting pitching moving forward into the future? This is the perfect test. This is going to be a storyline for Giants fans everywhere to follow. You and I are going to be sitting at a bar having beers, trying to figure out Aaron Sanchez. Can he be a guy that you can come back? Is Gosman, is his peak what we saw last year, or can you get a little more? And if you give him a long-term deal, what does that look like? But you're not giving him a long-term deal at the qualifying offer. No. And that was the most fascinating part of this entire offseason, that the Giants gave Kevin Gaussman an $18.9 million one-year qualifying offer. It was absolutely puzzling it, because there's no way that he gets a better deal on the open market. And this is for a guy that I go back to earlier that I'm saying, Greg, I don't think he got past five innings last year. And if he did, I have to double-check to find out what game that was because I'm trying to go off the top of my head. I don't remember one. And now you're looking at his contract and you're like, when, when, the, when it came down that he got the qualifying offer, I was like, what is Farhan doing? What is the vision here? And now with the one-year deals, you're seeing the one I love the most that he did was Aaron Sanchez. I am fired up to watch Aaron Sanchez pitch. 92, 94, he's improving after coming back from surgery. I think he could be something that they can hold on to. But you're right. Gosman, I mean, Alex Wood. I mean, can we take a minute and look at the lefties? There's one lefty, Greg. Alex Wood. If that doesn't work out, Connor Menez has already been sent down. I don't know what options you're going to be banking on for your left-hander coming out for the San Francisco Giants. That's going to be starting games. Random minor league guy. And I'm looking at his game logs from last year. Am I right? He went over six innings three times. Okay. so I wasn't- But I said over six innings. I'm going to correct myself. He went six innings three times. He went over six innings once. So he went six or more innings four times. But in his first eight starts, mm-hmm. nine starts, I should say, mm-hmm. he went over six innings once. Okay. So I wasn't too far off. No. That's mind-boggling. You're giving a qualifying offer to a guy who went over six innings, six or more innings four times. Here's why I think the Giants made him the qualifying offer. This is the only thing that I can think of is that they knew that somebody might want to give him a multi-year deal, and thus, Gaussman would have taken the years over the money, Mm -hmm. and thus the Giants would have gotten a draft pick out of it. Well, spoiler alert, I don't think that Kevin Gaussman on a two-year deal would have gotten nearly the same amount of total dollars as Kevin Gaussman on the qualifying offer. But I don't think I think that's part of Farhan's vision that we've seen so far. He's willing to pay starting pitching and pitching in general. He's willing to pay more money for less years. And that's kind of what he's been following through so far, his template, what we have on him so far. And I don't think it's the worst idea. Look, this is not going to be a team that's— I'm not going to sit here and tell you that this is going to be a World Series champion team. 
if this is a move that a rebuilding team makes, it's not the worst thing in the world. I don't I don't think. Because if Gosman can come back, if Gosman gives you the same year that he had last year, well, then now you're sitting there saying, do we have something here? And it's at least, for a rebuilding team, it's something that they have to look at. I will say that based on how the Giants have structured this rotation, that if they're trading assets to get pieces back, whether it be pitching assets or position player assets of theirs, they're getting back prospect pitching. Mm-hmm. They're getting back double-A and triple-A level guys. Yeah, Because you have to have whoever those guys are, right. whatever organization they might be in, they need to be a part of the Giants rotation in 2022. Yes. If you're going to ship them off, yes. I guess the follow-up question I have for you, for Farhan, I'm going a little off script here, but that I've always, any Giants debate, I always get in. Do you believe Farhan would be the guy that, hypothetically, Giants are battling for the second wild card in a perfect world? It's, and the trade deadline's looming. Is Farhan the type of guy who's willing to ship off prospects that he's drafted, developed any which way, to find that piece that they need at the deadline? Because I don't think he is. I'm with you. I don't think so either. Because I think Farhan understands what a competitive team can yeah. be and what a second wild card team is. Yeah. We saw the Seattle Mariners three or four years ago trade off a bunch of prospects to try and go for the second wild card. Yeah. A bunch of prospects that I covered. Pablo Lopez, the number two starter for the Miami Marlins, he was involved in a trade to get David frickin' Phelps for the Ugh. second wild card. Ugh. And you gave up a guy <laughs> that's going to be a rotation piece for the next 10 years yeah. because you wanted David frickin' Phelps. <laughs> what is it? Didn't the Mets do it uh, first year of Brody? They, they also going for David Phelps? Yeah. No, I'm just saying that how they were trading things left and right just to try to compete. It's Marcus Stroman who the, ended up sticking around. That's true. That's true. The one thing that I'll say with Farhan is he's not going to be a fool in that way. He knows what he has in this team. He's not going in there in there. This thinking, is not the Dodgers. Right. This is not the Dodgers. Exactly. He knows what he has. There's reasonable expectations set for this team. He's not going to go ahead and think, I'm going to pull a playbook from the Mets from two years ago, and I'm going to say, this team's close to contending, and you're trading for the Robinson Canoes of the world at the time. It's not going to happen. He's going to be smart, and I don't think in the perfect situation where they're battling for the second wild card, that he will risk losing any prospects that can help him in the future. I think he rides it out. couple more questions here for John Curley of the Morning Roast on 95.7 The Game. I don't expect to spend a lot of time on this question, John. Shun Yamaguchi, why? <laughs> why? <laughs> I don't know. I the, the first thing that I saw on Twitter when the news came out that they got him was a Blue Jays fan that said, Good luck. <laughs> That's the last comment I would have to follow this transaction. You gave a guy two years and $6 million. He had an ERA over eight last year. 100%. But again, Greg, I'm telling you, man, it's what I don't mind about Farhan is he might. this guy might be nothing. This guy might absolutely be, not, be nothing. And if he follows his track record, probably won't be. Why not turn over that rock and see what's there? See if his coaching staff can get their hands on him and see if they can fix some kind of adjustment where they where he can be an asset to them. I mean, 
Is he going to give you anything? Probably not. Why not try? Why not? I mean, seriously. <laughs> I mean, I'm trying to make a case for Farhan here. As a Giants fan, I don't mind it. Like, I wasn't mad when it happened, right? Like, I wasn't like, I was like, all right, who the hell? Like, what that? what's the logic behind this? But if he's going to literally turn it, like, think about it. As baseball fans, we always want to be GMs, right? We always want to make this move, this move. We always want to be fantasy baseball, right? Farhan's trying to do that. How did Farhan find Yaz? And I'm not saying that they are equal. I'm just saying he went ahead. Yaz was a forgotten thought on the Orioles. Why not take a chance? You remember when first when Yaz first came here and people were calling him up? It was Carl Yostremski's uh, grandson. That's what they knew him. They didn't even call him Mike. They didn't even call him Yaz. He developed into something. Maybe, maybe he can develop, this guy can develop into something. I don't really know. But it's worth a gamble that I like. Am I wrong? You're not wrong at all. And I think that the bullpen is something that's really worth talking about because there was a defining moment in the Giants season last year when Trevor got in back-to-back games, gave up a lead to the A's oh. in the ninth oh. inning. My lord. Keep going. I'm sorry. I interrupt. No. But I'm just Flashbacks. Saying, as I'm looking at the Giants bullpen and I'm looking at the track records of guys, Reyes Moronta has to be this team's closer coming out of spring training. Am I wrong? Tell me if I'm wrong, then tell me who is. I if you asked me three weeks ago, I said you're right. The thing is, is since he's came back from energy energy, since he's come back from injury, they're saying that his pitches aren't what what they projected to be at this time in spring training. And as much as I don't like it, having a left-handed closer, unless you're an Araldis Chapman, Jake McGee might have to be the guy to start the year. He's going to have to fill in the Tony Watson role about when you have doubts in the back of your bullpen, and it was one storyline I was following, if who is going to fill in the Tony Watson role is what I called it. And it's that veteran guy that's in the back that you're saying, I can give the ball to him. He gives me my best chance to close this game out. Maranta... I don't know what he's going to look like. And by all accounts, by him coming back from injury, it's not what the Giants are hoping for right now at this stage of the calendar year. Jake McGee is my bet to be the guy. I say that with, I don't know if the Giants even have that guy where they're going to pencil in. There is no doubt he's going to be the guy 100%. Because Tony Watson should have been that guy way before last year, before they decided they want to stick with God. And we saw the problems with... Listella's walk-off home run. You saw it against the Bay Bridge series against the A's. What was it, three walk-off home runs that he gave up in his span? It's... He gave up a grand slam to either Chapman or Olsen. It, it was, yeah. it Olsen. was the, Olsen. It was the two-game, it was the three-game series against the A's in San Francisco mm-hmm. where he gave up back-breaking home Those runs in the ninth. Those were shots. <laughs> Those were absolute moonshots. I'll never forget that. I'll never if you bring up the name Trevor Gott, you know that there's always that player. That always just sticks in your mind, and for no reason. Trevor Gott's going to be the guy. You talk to me 20 years from now, and you'll be like, Trevor Gott. I'll be like, dude, what he did against the Angels and what he did against the A's. That's the one guy I will always remember about. But I say that with, okay, Tony Watson could have been the guy. What else did they have at that bullpen last year, right? Like, you're trying to, trying to use what they can. So there's like, I wasn't going to be that mad at Kapler overall, but, you know. Yeah, that, that God gets me going. I'm sorry. It's understandable. We're going to wrap it up here. John, final question for you, bud. 
does this team have any chance of competing for a wild card? And the reason why I ask is it's going to be difficult to catch the Dodgers or the Padres based on the talent that those two teams have and the track record from last year. The NL East is deep. Mm -hmm. You've got a Nationals team that looks like they're going to rebound. You've got a Mets team that has spent a good amount of money. They look like they're ready to compete. The Braves are one of the top three teams in the National League. And the Marlins made the playoffs last year. And the Phillies have got a lot of talent, plus they've got Bryce Harper. Based on the depth in other divisions, it just looks really difficult for the Giants to compete. Like I'll say with Reyes Maranta, tell me I'm wrong. You're not totally wrong. In a perfect world for the San Francisco Giants this year, it's going to be a storyline that fans are going to follow the second wildcard spot. That is what they need if they want a chance at it. And the path is there, right? It's going to be, okay, so they play the Padres, they play the Dodgers, that's fine. 19 games. But you're also going to have those games against the Rockies and uh, Diamondbacks that you're going to have to pick up. You're going to have those type of games. The Central. The Central, Greg, I don't, other than the Cardinals... I don't take the Central very seriously. That's just me. The East, yes, they're loaded. You're not telling me that Colton Wong (laughs) is going to put the Brewers over the top? My God. I don't think so, my man. And it's going to come down to a thing that's going to be a storyline for us all year. It's starting pitching. That's where it's going to come down. Do, Do they have the offense? I actually think they can have the offense to compete for that second wild card. Bullpen? Bullpen might be one of their strongest spots. For this team, the thing is starting pitching. And it goes back to what we started the interview out with. Are they going to trust their starters? Can you go over five innings with them? And if you don't, do you have the pencil in who you're going to go to in the back end? It's, starting pitching is where it's it's where the season's going to be founded for this 20, 2021 San Francisco Giants. But I like the depth, and I like what they're starting with right now. You can follow him on Twitter at John J. Curley. He's got fire takes all year round when it comes to the Giants, the 49ers, the Warriors, but mainly the Giants because he is a baseball savant through and through. John, we got to do this again sometime, buddy. You tell me when and where, buddy. I'm here. Well, more than likely here. (laughs) I'm here. It's just a matter of the when. (laughs) Thank you, everybody, for listening to our MLB Morning Coffee 30 Teams in 30 Days Major League Baseball preview of the San Francisco Giants. We'll be back tomorrow with another team. Thanks for listening.